0: Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, welcoming you once again into this conversation about practical issues related to ministry leadership. You know, it's still early in the year and we're laying out the podcast ideas for 2022. And so if you have a particular theme or an issue that you'd like for me to address, send that to me by email at jefforg, J-E-F-F-I-O-R-G, at gs.edu. You don't need to send me a long email or lay out everything you'd want me to say about a particular topic or theme. Just send me the highlights, just two or three sentences saying, this is an issue I'd like for you to address, or this is a subject that interests me. And I'll see if I can put it in the rotation for later on this year as we work on the podcast themes together. You know, I like to respond to real needs, real issues in real time. And so hearing from you is important and it helps me to stay on track as we go forward together. Now, today, I'd like to talk with you about changing your image of evangelism. Changing your image of evangelism. Every one of us sees the role of sharing the gospel with other people through a certain lens. We form an image in our mind of what that looks like and how it ought to be done. And I think sometimes those images need adjustment, particularly as times change and generations evolve, that we might continue to be effective in sharing the gospel. Now, one of the things that got me thinking about this subject was a presentation I heard recently in which a person laid out how different generations are open to the gospel are, as he described it, the entry-level questions which lead to gospel presentations in different generations. Now, think about that again with me. Entry-level questions that lead to gospel presentations in different generations. And as he was presenting about this, I realized that different generations have different perspectives on the gospel and why they might be willing to listen to the gospel. And frankly, different objections to the gospel are objections they might have to hearing a presentation of the gospel. And if we're not careful, one of the reasons that we lose effectiveness in sharing the gospel is that we're answering questions that people are not asking. Now, the person who created these four questions is James Chong from Varsity. I don't know him, never met him, uh, but he was the foundation or the source from which these ideas come, and I want to give him credit today. So the first generation that I want to mention is the boomer generation these are the people that were born between 1946 and 1964 and the presenting question that they asked about the gospel or that opened their conversations about the gospel is this what is true what is true and i will say as a boomer that that is a very important question for me in relationship to the gospel. For a boomer, they want to know that there's truth, and they want to know that the gospel is true, and they want people to explain the gospel in such a way that it makes factual, logical, truthful sense. When I think back, on two different things about my formative years as a Christian and how I was trained to share the gospel and what I was taught was essential to communicating the gospel, the reality that this being the fundamental question of our generation in relationship to the gospel is underscored in bold relief. Here's what I mean My generation produced a lot of apologetics material that tries to answer the question is the gospel true? Can You Trust the Gospel? Books like Evidence That Demands a Verdict, for example. That's written by someone in my generation, for my generation. All kinds of apologetics seminars and apologetics courses written by my generation, for my generation. And when I look back on the evangelism training tools that were created in my generation and that we used to train each other how to share the gospel, they were all focused around this question, what is true? So therefore, we memorized a lot of scripture, and we memorized a lot of illustrations, and we memorized a lot of answers to a lot of objections. In fact, we would work through you know, the 10 top objections to the gospel and how you answer those questions or objections. And that's what it meant to be trained to share the gospel, and that's what it meant to answer the primary question that people were asking about the gospel In the boomer generation. But now let's talk about the next generation. Gen X came along, born from 1965 to 1980. Their question, what is real? What is real? They weren't really so concerned about, is the gospel true? They didn't really want to debate that anymore. It's fine. They will accept the gospel as being true. They want to know if it matters. Is it real? Does it make a difference? Does it do anything in the lives of anyone? And so, there arose in this, in this generation the movement of the gospel which was highly experiential. 1965 to 1980, those are the Gen Xers, and it was in that movement that the Jesus movement occurred here in the United States. It was in that time that there was this rise, this surge of charismatic expression in worship, particularly in the United States. There was a rise in these same years from 1965 to 1990 of the application of the gospel in things like the civil rights movement, the women's movement, and in other places where people were demanding that there be justice or change or something real happen because of the gospel. What is real. Now, before we go on, let's understand something. These are not the only questions that people in these generations were asking. And these may not have been the most important questions because the question, what is true is always important in every generation. But remember, this is the presenting question. The question that people are asking about the gospel as a entry point of whether they will decide to hear it and believe it my generation, what is true? The next generation after mine, Gen Xers, what is real? What makes a difference? What does something that change the lives of people? What improves the society, or the culture in which we're living? What is real? And as I've said, movements arose out of this question showing the validation of the gospel being applied, being life-changing making a difference, community altering, all of that came about by answering this question, what is real? Well, then another generation came along, the millennials, 1981 to 1996. And they asked a different question about the gospel. What is good? What is good? Not what's true and not what's real, but what's good? Does it do anything that really matters and produces something that's for our betterment and for the betterment of the culture in which we're living and for the improvement of community around us? Is it good? And then finally, the question that's being asked by the IGN generation from 1997 to 2012, generally speaking, they ask this question, what is beautiful? What is beautiful? In other words, not is the gospel true? Is it real? Does it do something? Is it good? Does it produce something that is positive and life-altering and improving in that regard? But what is beautiful? You know, I see a lot of expressions of this today in church life and in public life. For example, I'm astounded when I go to worship services today at the amount of time, the amount of energy, and the amount of money spent creating a beautiful worship moment. I was at multiple churches over the Christmas season, visiting churches, uh, uh, going to extra services, uh, lots of reasons for that. First of all, my wife loves Christmas music, but second of all, it's just a great time to connect with a lot of people in our area uh, on behalf of the seminary and other things. So went to a lot of churches. I was amazed at some of what I saw and continued to be amazed at the amount of time, energy, and money spent to make something beautiful. Light shows, fog machines, uh beautiful backdrops created just for the season on and on and on. I could go. My wife and I were talking after leaving one of these services and we both said, what did they spend on that and how much could have been done in feeding the poor, sending a missionary, <laughs> or even paying down the debt of the building. If that had been devoted those resources to those purposes, instead. But you know, I was asking the wrong questions. My generation says about the money, you know, what's true, what's real, what's good. The generations after me, I'll ask these questions. You know, I, I want to know what's factual and what's needed, and 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 that's what I want to see presented in a worship service, and 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 what's real and what's good, and and all of that. But the current generation of leaders are saying we'll. We're asking the question, what's beautiful? Because if the gospel isn't beautiful, is it really worth hearing? And if we're going to do something in the name of the gospel, shouldn't it be done with beauty? Now, let me have a rush to say, every one of these generations wants to know the gospel is true. Every one of these generations wants to know the gospel is real. Every one of these generations wants to know the gospel produces good. And every one of these generations, at least in some sense, wants to know that the gospel is beautiful and produces beauty in our lives. So these are not saying, I am not saying that these questions are exclusive, that people are regimented and that they're only asking the one question or that they're only looking to the one question to describe their openness or accessibility or uh, availability to the gospel. No, I'm not saying that. I'm simply trying to get you to understand that there are different ways that different generations perceive the need of the gospel in their lives and are willing to open themselves to the gospel. And here is where I think this takes real uh, practical application in local church life. If you are still using the evangelism methods that were developed by uh, boomers, to answer the question, what is true, to try to reach iGen generation who believe, who are asking the question, what is beautiful, perhaps this explains some of the disconnect in our, and our inability to effectively share the gospel in the generation today. And if you're a younger person listening to this and your first question really is, what is beautiful, or maybe you're just a little bit older and you ask the question, what is good? And you're trying to reach people in my generation with the gospel and you wonder why they're so cranky about the fact that you're wasting all this money on making something beautiful when what they really just want to know is the Bible, the truth, the word. What is, does it say? What is true? Well, maybe you need to understand if you're going to reach my generation with the gospel, you're going to have to focus on answering the question that we ask, and that is, what is true so if you're still thinking of evangelism primarily as an apologetic function like boomers did in my generation you may not be all that effective in reaching people today who really don't want to argue that point they just want to know if the gospel is good or if it produces beauty in our lives and in our families and in our communities they're asking a different opening question. Now, again, let me underscore. There's, some, there's the truth of the gospel. We, we have to always get to that. The first question, the opening question, the presenting question, the question that they're asking may not be the only question that needs to be answered, but if you can't answer that one first, it's not likely you're going to get to answer these other questions. So I've been really profoundly impacted by this simple chart that was put on the wall by this gentleman, James Chong, who helped me understand that there are different questions being asked by different generations about the gospel. And while that's not the only question they're asking, asking it's the presenting question they're asking. And while it's not the only question that needs answering, It's the one you have to answer first if you're going to gain the opportunity to answer subsequent questions that lead them to fully understand the impact of the gospel. Now, another aspect of this that's very meaningful to me is the intergenerational impact of these questions in designing church ministry. In a church that has all of these generations represented, We have to learn to ask and answer all of these questions in relationship to the gospel. You know, there are some churches that are so focused on answering the question, what is true that their worship services are like cold, sterile theology lectures. The music is stilted and the preaching is more didactic. And it sounds like you've been to class rather than gone to church. Others Find themselves focusing so much on what is real, uh, the application of the gospel, that they move too quickly past its truthful aspects and just talk about the impact it's supposed to be making, which leads us very quickly to some kind of social justice or social gospel movement. That's not appropriate either. And then these other questions what is good? What is beautiful? lead us also to be out of balance in these areas as we're focusing so much on something good happening for us, which can lead us to consumerism, if we're not careful, and something beautiful, which leads to some kind of superficial kind of emotional experience with the gospel that may not really be all that life-changing, but sure is pretty along the way. Now, an intergenerational approach to ministry and to gospel-sharing recognizes all of these questions have to be asked and answered and it's appropriate to do so in that church context and as we can learn to do that i think we can learn to understand each other better and communicate with each other better about what it means to share the gospel and certainly what it means to experience the gospel together you know i just think about uh, recently in a conversation where a person said, you know, all we need to do to reach more people is get back to door to door visitation, handing out tracts, and explaining the gospel to people. And I thought, no, no, that's not all we need to do. Now I'm not opposed to any of those things for a certain segment or population or generation. I think they're going to be very effective, but for others, not going to give any response at all. And others would say, we need to move away from all of this uh, propositional preaching and all this expository preaching. And we need to design worship services that focus on the beauty of the gospel and, and the, and the, the ethereal nature of the, just the, the captivating uh, work that God has done in our world. And we need to be focusing on nature and focusing on all the beauty around us and focusing on expressions of dance and music and sight and sound and light that just bring beauty to what we're experiencing. Well, All that might be helpful, but that's not the only thing we need. We also need some truth in that context as well. You get the idea. So I'm trying to change your image of evangelism today to get you thinking about how different generations are open to the gospel, about the questions different generations are asking about the gospel and about the questions you have to ask in order to gain entree into people's lives, generationally speaking, so that you can then share all the aspects of the gospel that are needed for them to come to full faith and commitment to Jesus. Now, that's one aspect of what I mean by changing your image of evangelism. Can I shift gears now and talk about a second aspect of this? Well, it's my podcast. I guess I can. Here we go. Another way of shifting your image of evangelism is to think about the images the Bible uses to describe our work as evangelistic people. I've been studying some of the images the Bible uses to describe evangelism. Can I give you some examples? For example, evangelists are like fishermen in the Bible. The Bible says in Luke 5, chapter 10, from now on, Jesus speaking. From now on, you'll be catching people. And he made that famous statement, especially King James Version, follow me and you'll become fishers of men. We're fishermen. That's one image, a biblical image of evangelism. Here's another one. We're farmers. In Mark chapter 4, long parable, uh, all about farming, about sowing seed and reaping and all that goes along with that. We're farmers. We till the ground, we plant the soil, we water, we wait, we harvest. That's who we are. We're fishermen and we're farmers. Another thing is uh, we're witnesses. You know the verse, Acts 1-8, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You will be witnesses. People who tell the truth, people who tell what they've seen, people who tell what they've experienced people who share out of the overflow what's happened to them, witnesses. So we're fishermen, we're farmers, we're witnesses. Here's one I like. Evangelists are searchers. We're searching for things like lost sheep, Luke 15. Lost coins, also in Luke 15. We're out looking for the poor, the maimed, the blind, the lame. We're out in the highways and lanes, Luke 14. We're out searching everywhere for lost people. We're searchers. And then another one, evangelists are like parents. Paul described himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 as the father in the gospel of the Corinthians. Father in the gospel. Now, I know that... uh, Many of you who listen to this podcast be a little reluctant to call other pre- people, especially other religious leaders, Father. Catholic Church does that. We understand that. We respect that. So while we might be a little reluctant to use that terminology because of its Catholic Church overtones, it's still a biblical phrase. Paul said, evangelists, people who introduce other people to faith in Jesus, they're like parents, <laughs> It's like being a father in the gospel. Here's another one. We're ambassadors. We're ambassadors according to 1 Corinthians 5.19. It says we are ambassadors for Christ and we bear the message of reconciliation. You know, ambassadors are diplomats. Their specialty is representing representing parties to each other and bringing parties together to make mutually beneficial decisions. We're ambassadors. Well, I, I, I could go on. I'll stop with that short list. The Bible gives us an image, actually multiple images, of what it means to be an evangelist, a person who shares the gospel. The Bible says we're fishermen, farmers, witnesses, searchers, parents, ambassadors. Well, I've been interfacing that list with these questions that I talked about at the beginning of the podcast. I've been thinking about answering the question, what is true, not as an apologist or a professor or a debater or an attorney. Notice none of those are on the list of biblical images of evangelism. I've been thinking about it, not from those perspectives, which are the perspectives that are too often thought of in my generation. And I've been thinking instead about, well, How would a fisherman or a farmer or a witness or a searcher or a parent or an ambassador, how would one of those people answer the question, what is real? How would one of those people answer the question, what is good? How would one of those people answer the question, what is beautiful? And of course, how would they also answer the question, what is true? Now, what I believe is that in every one of these images, there are different analogies and parallels. There are different ways of expressing the image that sort of dovetail into different ones of these questions. And so what I've been encouraged to think about is to see myself not in just one image of evangelism, but to see myself really, in a more biblical image of evangelism, as a fisherman or a witness, as a searcher or an ambassador, as a farmer or a parent, to see myself in some of those ways and some of those roles, and that when I think about sharing the gospel with other people, I'm not so much thinking about it just in that one-dimensional way that perhaps my generation emphasized, and I'm certainly not trying to think of it only in terms of being an attorney or being a... Uh, an apologist or being a professor or being a debater or being someone who's just riveted on arguing people into faith in Jesus Christ or in some way presenting the gospel so that it becomes a debate or that I have to present uh, answers to frequently asked questions or that I have to present uh, answers to frequently voiced objections or I've been trying to think of myself in a different way as I think about what it means to bear the image of evangelism are the image of being an evangelist. So today on the podcast I've tried to get you to think differently about what it means to share the gospel. I've tried to do that in two ways. First of all, think differently about how different generations are approaching the gospel. They're asking questions like what is true, what is real, what is good, what is beautiful? Remembering that these are the presenting questions or the opening questions that these generations are asking. And then they move on to other questions, yes, but we can't answer the other questions until we successfully interface with the first one. And in doing that, we recognize that one of the reasons perhaps that we're less effective in sharing the gospel today than we've been in generations past is that today the differences between generations are much more marked than they were, say, 50 or 100 years ago. And now we have to be skilled in understanding that we have to adjust our image of evangelism and our approach to evangelism to better interface with these generational changes that are coming along. And in part of doing that for me has been to revisit what it means to think of evangelists and evangelism from these biblical images. And to really look into the Bible and say, when the Bible speaks of reaching more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, what are the images that it uses to describe people like us who are supposed to be doing it? And, well, it says we're, we're fishermen. It says we're witnesses. It says we're ambassadors. It says that we're farmers and searchers and parents. It describes in words like this, highly relational, highly uh, engaging highly interactive kinds of ways of relating to others about the gospel. So today, change your image about evangelism. Stop thinking that your way is the only way, that your generation's way is the only way, and that the questions your generation is asking are the only ones worth considering. And recognize different generations are asking different questions about the gospel. Learn to interface with that and present the gospel in effective ways so that we might win more and more people to faith in Jesus Christ. And then as you're doing that, revisit the biblical images of evangelism and ask God to help you see yourself more in those images, highly relational, very interactive, hands-on, engaged, if you will, in the process of moving along with people and helping them come to faith in Jesus. Ask God to help shift your image of evangelism and your understanding of how to do it well in the generational lives that we're living today. And do it for the sake of the gospel and the glory of God. And do it as you lead on.